So last time we covered uh, the ark coming home to Beth Shemesh. If you remember, they, 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 the Philistines were afflicted with the hemorrhoids and the mice and all this other stuff, the plague. And so they, they built a carriage and they put two cows on it who had never pulled a carriage before, didn't have a driver, and they sent it. And if the, the carriage went along the coast to Beer Shemesh, they would knew, or Beth Shemesh, they knew that it was God that had caused the problems. Well, that's where it went. And then the men of Beth Shemesh, they got the ark. They were celebrating, but then they opened it to see what was inside, and God had said, no, don't do that. So 70 of the men of Beth Shemesh were killed for looking inside the ark. So they were rejoicing that the ark of God has returned, and this is where we're going to pick up uh, today. We're going to 1 Samuel 7, 1. And the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim that the time was long, for it was twenty years and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. So it was 20 years before the men of Kirjath-Jerim came to get the thing, and then the, the ark, and then the ark sat there at Kirjath-Jerim until David was on the throne. And since Saul's not even king yet, it sat at Kirjath-Jerim for a very long time. The time was long that the ark was gone from its place, long that it was at Kirjath-Jerim, long that the people forgot where it was, and long that the people lamented the loss and the absence of the Lord. If you remember, well, Eli died, his sons died, his daughter-in-law died, and his daughter-in-law had the baby that said, The glory of the Lord has departed Israel. And the people were longing after the Lord in the absence of the Lord. Seven, uh, 1 Samuel 7, 3. And Samuel spake unto the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah, and they drew water, and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day. And said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. Now Samuel's still the judge. He's still the prophet, and he is still the priest. He's not king yet. That, that prophet, priest, and king doesn't happen until Jesus comes along. But Samuel's real close being the judge, the prophet, and the priest. So in the Psalms and in Lamentations, uh, I believe Lamentations 2.19, it says, pour me out like water. They poured out the water like their repentance and sincere remorse before the Lord. They drew water and they set a symbolic picture, pouring out their hearts, their sin, their remorse to God right there in front of Samuel, saying, we have sinned. An interesting picture, though, the water being poured out of the heart, being uh, uh, emptied with the remorse and, and, and the, the loss, the tears being shed, the water being poured out, like the tears being shed for the sin 
and the repentance and the lamenting after the Lord that they had spoke of above. They missed him so much. They, they, they realized what they had lost. And they poured the water out before the Lord and before the judge of Israel, Samuel. And with their remorse and their repentance, they returned to the Lord and they put their idols away. So while this is going on, in 1 Samuel 7, 7, And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb, that means a, a newborn baby lamb, and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. All the people are gathered together. The remorseful, the repentant, and God is seeing all of this. They're seeing their hearts, seeing the repentance, seeing the, re the, the revival, the awakening going on. And then the lords of the Philistines, they're gathering to go to war with Israel. Now what I find interesting here is the Philistines had the Ark of the Covenant for seven months. And for seven months their land was cursed with hemorrhoids, big, giant, suffering hemorrhoids, with plague and with death. When, when it went to, to Akron, the, the hemorrhoids and the plague was there. When it went to Gath, the plague and the hemorrhoids were there. And when it went to the next place, the plague and the hemorrhoids were there. Yet the Philistines have forgotten that. And they're gathering against the children of Israel. And they are getting ready to go to war. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. So as he is offering the very land that we just said that the people wanted offered, as he is preparing that offering and offering it up, the Philistines are drawing near to go to war while the people are in an awakening and in a revival, and God is not happy about that. The Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel, God said, no, no, my people are finding me. They're seeking my face. Go away while we have this time alone. Let, let, let us talk. Y'all go away. Okay? That's exactly what God said. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So the Philistines come up and God says, No, leave them alone and discomfited Then the men of Israel came out. They chased after them. They smote them and they ran them off. And what did Samuel do upon that victory that God himself gave them? God thundered. He discomfited and put them on the run. The children of Israel merely cleaned up. They didn't do anything themselves to cause the victory. What did Samuel do? He set up a remembrance of the works that God did. Samuel sets a stone for a memorial, just as Joshua did, that they might remember all that God has done for them every time they see the stone. And when the younger generations, they say, well, what is that stone? The younger generation now gets a, a history lesson on what that stone means and what God did for them. 
They get to teach history. They get to, teach, to pass on God's goodness. They get to witness. They get to testify of God because they have a memorial raised to the Lord God of heaven who fought their battle for them on this day. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the day of Samuel. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel because of Samuel's prayer, because of the sacrifice, because of the faithfulness of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron even unto Gath, and the coast thereof did, del did deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah and judged Israel in all those places. And his return was to Ramah, for there was his house. And there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, but the judge becomes a little less when the king is anointed that's coming. Samuel got Israel back to the worship of the Lord. He called them. They poured out the water like remorse before him. They showed faith. He, he showed them faithfulness, and he brought them back. They put away their little g-gods. They are now worshiping the God Almighty of heaven. Samuel did all that. He restored the worship of the Lord to Israel. He restored Israel's relationship with God. God then smote the Philistines, ran them off. And in all the days of Samuel, God's hand was against the Philistines. And now we have a time of peace. Samuel is riding the circuit, going from place to place and judging Israel. I find it funny that he returned to Ramah. He made his home in Ramah. The, the, the reason I find that funny, because that's where his mother and his father, the ones who gave him up to, Lord, to the Lord, after the Lord gave him to them. He, he made his home in Ramah, where his mother and his father were from. I, I find that interesting. He returned to his roots. He judged Israel, and he built an altar at Ramah for to worship the Lord. He has returned all of Israel to the worship of the Lord God. He has seen the Philistines defeated, and God is set against the Philistines. Samuel is ushering in a few years of peace and contentment, yet it will not continue. The time of peace and contentment will not continue for Samuel because Samuel has the same problem that Eli had. Eli's problems became Samuel's problems. Samuel did great right up until now. So we're going to 1 Samuel 8, 1. And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Eli made his son priest over Israel, remember? Now the name of the firstborn was Joel, or Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah, they were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgments. Eli's sons, 
Eli did not restrain his sons, and the people abhorred the worship of the Lord because of Eli's sons, and they quit going because of Eli, or Phineas and Hophni, and they quit going, and God killed them because they were turning people away from him. Now Samuel, who was there for that, who saw the sons destroyed because of that, who God told Eli was going to die because he didn't restrain his sons, Samuel is now facing the same judgment. Not death, not, not, not nearly as exact, but he's facing the same problems that Eli had. Samuel set them up as judges, as his successors, and they perverted their judgments for money, which means when two people came before them, if one had more money, he could slip the money ahead of time and get the judgment in his favor. They were not being fair. They were not being honest. They were not being upright. They were robbing the people for their judgments, for their, uh, their, uh, their people's own benefit. The rich were able to buy more than the poor, and it was not good because they loved money. They loved lucre. They could be bought. And they failed their father in this respect, just as Eli's did. His sons turned aside after lucre, after money. Now remember what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. That's not what it says. Many people get that wrong. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. They had a love, Samuel's sons had a love for money. And Samuel, or Samuel failed to see the flaws in his sons, just as Eli failed to see the flaws in his sons. Fathers do that sometimes. Samuel set his sons up and they loved money. Eli put his sons up and they loved themselves more than anything else. 1 Samuel 8, 4. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together, gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. The people don't like his sons. They want a king. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. We are now coming to the end of Samuel's time as a judge. Now he will still be a judge throughout. But after this time when Saul becomes king, it falls on Saul to defend Israel. It falls on Saul to do the right thing. Oddly enough, though, Samuel's time as prophet and priest is not coming to an end yet. Just the judge. So Israel rejects Samuel over his sons. At least that's what they say. But as God, God sees the heart. And so the next verse is very important because the people came to Samuel with this trumped up, we don't like your boys, blah, blah, this is what's happening. But God says this to Samuel. 1 Samuel 8, 7. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, 
but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. God sees the heart. He knows what's going on. He knows these people just don't want him to rule over them. God tells Samuel, it is not you they have rejected. It is me. God knows the heart. The Israelites are wanting a king over them so they can be as other nations. God just won a battle for them and they didn't have to do anything but the cleanup and they want a king over them. They want to get out from under a theocratic rule. Remember the old adage, be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Well, they did. So it is when God gives them exactly what they wanted. God gave them a king. He gave them exactly what they thought they wanted in a king. God sees what's going on. The nation wants a king. But they want a king that they can see, that they can follow, that they can hear, that's tangible before them. A symbol. Well, they had a symbol. They had the Ark of the Covenant. They had a symbol. They had Samuel, the priest, prophet, the priest, prophet, and judge. They had symbols. They wanted someone like them to lead them because they couldn't live up to God's standards. It's very interesting that when the people follow the Lord, they get prosperous. And then, once they're prosperous and they're settled, they want a man to lead them. After the God of the universe made them what they are, they want someone as flawed as they are to lead them. How sad is that? The tangible factor, though, it is a big deal. Remember, they did not have the Spirit in them. They didn't have the unction from the Holy Spirit teaching them all things, helping them to understand the Scriptures. They didn't have that. They did not have the Bible they could go to for God's Word. They didn't have that. I can understand a little bit for them wanting a tangible factor. They didn't have what we had. But we don't have what they had, the Ark of the Covenant. The history of the cloud in the, uh, during the day and the fire uh, pillar at night. The history of the manna, the history of the quail, the history of the Red Sea parting. We don't have that. They had a priest to follow, a prophet to talk of God, and a judge to protect and lead them. But they didn't want that. They wanted a king. And then the sad part is that the very first king gave them exactly what they wanted. And boy, did it backfire on them. So as we come to the end of Samuel, if you look in the earlier podcast that I did, I did a nine part on Saul. So this is the end for Samuel as far as this goes. But the people went into, to adopt, into idolatry. Samuel pulled them out. He set them straight. He got them going. He got them prosperous. He got them back into the worship of God. And once they got prosperous, once they went through a time of peace, they decided they didn't want God anymore. They wanted a king. They wanted a man to lead them. And they're about to get what they want. Anytime you ask God for something, just remember he might just give it to you. So make sure what you're asking is what you really want.